Praise God. So thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I feel, feel in this house. While you're turning in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, I want to welcome, welcome home Elder and Sister Sergeant. Yes. All the way from, from distant lands and foreign fields. Glad they're back in one piece. There's a tremendous unction here today. Genesis chapter number six. And we are going to start here in verses one through three. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh Yet his days shall be in 120 years. Now, this is notable because even in the midst of this, there were people that lived as long as over 900 years old. This is a notable, a notable thing. Verse number five, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now, God did not repent in the sense that we repent. But what that simply means is it sorrowed God greatly to see the condition of his creation. It sorrowed him greatly. I want to talk to us for a few moments this afternoon on my spirit will not always strive. My spirit will not always strive. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our voices and let's pray, shall we? Let's lift our voices and let's pray together in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. I feel the canopy of your glory over this people here today. I pray for the unction of the Holy Ghost to bring illumination and clarity and strength, conviction, encouragement, comfort. All of the multiplicity that heaven has to offer humanity. I pray that it's in this place today. We ask it in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. One of my favorite studies in the Word of God is under a particular banner of study known as pneumatology. Of course, the word pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. It's the Greek word for other words, too, but... There are many 
different bodies of study. Of course, theology is the study of God. Soteriology is the study of salvation. Ecclesiology is study of the church, so on and so forth. Pneumatology is one of my favorites, and there's a lot of them. There's demonology, angelology, eschatology. We could go on and on. However, when you introduce that subject, a lot of people naturally think that, okay, well, because we're Pentecostal in experience, meaning that we are children of the day of Pentecost, we are Pentecost in experience and we are apostolic in doctrine, that it's easy, at least maybe to the layman, that pneumatology really begins in the New Testament because that is where the Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. However, that really is not true. The evidence of the working of the Spirit of God is all the way in the beginning. In fact, if you still have your Bible open, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 1. We're going to go as far back as you possibly can, and that is Genesis 1 and 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. There is no distinction here between spiritual illumination and spiritual darkness. There is no physical light, such as the sun, the moon, and so forth, because that's on the third day of creation. This is, this is both, this is total opacity in that there is not only spiritual darkness, but there is physical darkness. And the Bible said, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, which lets me to know that God's Spirit moves in darkness. Spirit has always been moving, and God's Spirit is still moving in the 21st century. And somebody just say, Amen. And so, even from the cradle of civilization, we see that pneumatology goes all the way back to the very beginning, before there was any creation other than heaven and earth and angels we see that the Spirit of God was moving. Hallelujah. More specifically, in our text in Genesis chapter number 6, the human race has already begun to interact and increase, but they were mo not moving towards God, they were moving away from God. So much so that God would say that the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, biblical historians, I realize that this requires a little bit of um, extrapolation and a little bit of maybe even guesswork, but biblical historians will say that even here, previous to um, Noah's flood, we've already experienced the antediluvian flood, which killed prehistoric life, which many biblical historians believe that we are seeing that in Genesis 1 and 1, in Genesis 1 and 2, that you are actually looking at the very first flood. But regardless, here in Genesis chapter 6, God is speaking to himself when he says that my spirit will not always strive with man. The word strive here means to contend to judge, to plead. And it literally means, the literal translation, literally means to set on a straight course. But God has come to the place of recognizing that I cannot continue to strive with man because the Bible says 
for he also is flesh. And not only did God make this incredible statement that he will not continue to strive with man, but also God begins now to bring a shortening to man's longevity because God says, yet his days shall be in 120. Biblical expositors through the years have tried to look at this and tried to bring some type of human reasoning to this. And I believe that the reason is because of the context in which this was done is God is recognizing that he is going to try to shorten the sinfulness of man. God is reigning in uh, the sinful behavior of man. God, at this point, is not wanting to completely eradicate uh, the human existence from the world because he's going to start over, as you know, with Noah. But he is recognizing that 900 years, there's a lot of children that could be created to live in evil and live in darkness. And so God brings about, he commands that there is a shortening and a limiting of the longevity of humanity. Praise God. Psalm 90 and 10 says that man's life will be 70 years. The average, uh, in fact, even today, uh, physicians will tell you that the average lifespan of an average American is just about 70 years. Actually, I hope, in my case, it's a little longer than that. I'm going to be 65 here in a couple weeks. So, hallelujah. There's probably a few of you that are wondering, why are we going into a building program if you could die at any time? Because I came here to leave this thing better than I found it. I didn't come here to get off cheap. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I came here to leave this thing better than when I found it. And so there is a minimizing, a diminishing of the human experience. God is reigning in the evil that was prevalent in the hearts of men. In fact, the Bible continues on by saying that every imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. Nobody thought about God. Nobody thought about prayer. Nobody thought about praise. Nobody thought about seeking God. God was not even on anybody's mind. Hallelujah. One of the greatest examples of God's striving with the human being can, found, can be found in Genesis chapter number 4 with the example of Cain. If you have your Bible open, we invite you to look at this in verse number 6. You know the story. Cain and Abel were both offering a sacrifice unto the Lord, but they were offering a sacrifice that was not proper at that given time. You have to understand that Cain's offering was fine because it was, it was an offering that was from the ground. And this went on in Jewish history to be known as the offering or the law of the first fruits. However, there, it, it, it was the wrong offering at the wrong time because his brother gave an offering that required a blood sacrifice, and that was a sacrifice that was suitable to God. And so God begins to talk with Cain because he is upset that his sacrifice has not been accepted of the Lord. Look at verse number four. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? And God, this is God employing reason. This is very important. Because God is not opposed to reasoning with people. God is not opposed to having a conversation with somebody. 
But you have to understand that that conversation has got to end up on God's side. Look at this in verse number 5. I'm sorry, verse number 7. God says to Cain, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. What is that saying? That is saying that you have a choice. You have an option right now. You know I'm real. You know my word is real. You know that I can truly bless people. You know that I can really work in somebody's life. And so I'm trying to convert your negative feelings, your feelings of anger. And I'm trying to give you the opportunity to do right. Ladies and gentlemen, God is far more interested in us doing right than looking for a reason to destroy people. I'm going to tell you, the devil's got a lot of negative PR work out there. But I'm going to tell you, God is good, and God is great, and God is greatly to be praised. And if you ever discover that by doing the will of God, it has benefits, your life will be changed forever. Clap your hands and give God the praise. There are still people that are operating on Christianity 101 that are still waiting to see the benefits of obedience. Here's your, here's your play. God is specifically talking to Cain about getting on the right track and making right decisions for your life. And so God says that you are, be give, you are being given an opportunity. And if thou doest well, you will be accepted, meaning that I will bless you, meaning that I will be with you, meaning that you will be on the same standing as your brother. But the hatred, the hatred for his brother was stronger than his obedience to the word of God. His bitterness. And his hatred towards his brother led him down an unaltering, unchangeable path. Because listen to what God says in verse number 7. God is saying, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. There's still a doorway there. You're still in control. You can still make the right decisions. You still don't have to let it in. But if you do, open the door. You will become a slave to your mistake. And God is basically saying that this choice, if you do not make the right choice, that it will have the rule over you. And of course we know that happened because Cain killed his brother, the blood crying out to God and him presumptuously sinning with a high hand, telling God with a haughty spirit, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am my brother's keeper. But the fact of the matter and the point that we're trying to make here this afternoon is that God is reasonable. God is easily entreated. God wants to talk with you. God is not looking for a reason to punish you. God is not looking for a reason to destroy you. God is looking for an opportunity to accept you. Oh, clap your hands and give him. If there is any group of people under the sound of my voice that should worship him and give him praise, God is not negative. God is not a downer. Come on, some of you blessed folks. You didn't get there in your own power. There's a God behind that. There's a.
Come on, let's just take a moment and give him praise. Let's set the record straight. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is a blessor. God is a lover. God bless you. You may be seated. The Bible even says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse number 18, through the mouth of the prophet, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is reasoning with his people. Come, and I heal. Come, and I forgive. Come, and I restore. The word reason here in Isaiah chapter 1 means to convince, to correct, to plead, to argue, to reprove, to bring about a decision, a conclusion. God is more interested in a relationship with us than looking for a reason to harm us. Romans chapter number one is a famous passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles open, turn there with me. And this shows the downward plunge of the human race that continues to resist the reasoning of God. Romans chapter one, verse number 21 says this, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, Neither were thankful. You know, it's already been said here today, but it's, it's, it's a horrible character trait to not be thankful. I'm going to tell you, if, if, you feel that, if you feel that spirit getting on you, you need to go down to Sacred Heart Hospital. Go right around the 6th or the 7th floor and just take a walk around there and look into those hospital rooms and just think, man, if I was there, I'd be calling on the name of my God. If I was there, I wonder if those people knew what you and I know. Even though I can get legs, if I had them, I'd run. Even though I can't use my arms, if I had them, I'd use them. Even though I ain't got breath, if I had it, I'd use it. Let everything that have breath... Come on, let's thank him. Let's thank him for living in the 21st century with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the reality of truth. My God, we ought to be the most thankful people in this world. To be unthankful is to be unholy. The Bible says... Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. But they were foolish in their heart. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man. Birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. When man does not respond to reality. The Bible even says here in Romans chapter 1 that all of creation does testify of his eternal power and Godhead. I don't need anybody to tell me that there's a God. I just need to look out in a a summer sky and see a moon and the Milky Way, and I know that there's a creator out there. All I need to do is see a baby's hand with the intricacy of bones and epidermis and recognize there's a God. All I need to do is hear a bird sing and know that there is a God. All I need to know that there is a creator that manifested himself in flesh and walked among us and hung on a tree. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up. Now, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
you are you are accelerating into a dimension of sp- spiritual evolution. That's exactly right. Because the Bible says that we represent the future. And so when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and you begin to follow the Spirit's leading in your life, you are, you are becoming what everybody else is supposed to be. You're actually people of the future. But in Romans chapter 1, you are watching the de-evolution. That's D-E-dash-evolution. Where man, where man is put in a position where he is not evolving into, into a Christ-like metamorphosis through the power and operation of God. But he is becoming more animalistic. God allows man to become like an animal unless he recognizes the deity. That's what it says. Look at verse number 25. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. I want to tell you, there's some things that you and I ought not tamper with. And one of them is the reality of the Word of God and the reality of God. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not. It doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. It doesn't matter whether everybody wants this or not. What it matters is, hallelujah, man can lie, people can lie, people can make mistakes, but God cannot lie. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Man goes down a notch. Man refuses God, and they go down a notch. Man now calls other things deity. They go down another notch. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men. Lesbianism preceded homosexuality. Homosexuality. Don't give me this nonsense you were born this way. Go back and tell them that's why you need to be born again. If you're in this audience today, I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to be your best friend. But, honey, don't expect me to accept your sin. Allow me to pull you out of that into a place of dynamic change so you can experience the will of God in your nature. Oh, that church hates gays. No, we don't hate gays. If a man walks in here with gay clothing, we'll love him. But you better understand something. I don't give I don't give a shoelace what this world calls legal. I'm standing with God. And we're not going to be ugly about it. We're not going to judge anybody. But, honey, we're, he- we're here to help you get out of that. We're here to help you get in alignment with. When you get in alignment with God, change starts to happen. But it's not de-evolution. It's becoming regenerated with the power of the Holy Ghost. So everybody clap your hands and give him praise. Let me know you're awake out there. Come here. Everybody knows somebody that's gay. And the good news is you must be born again of water and of the spirit. The homosexuals say, I was born this way. The transgenders say, I was born wrong. The church says, you must be born again. Come on, somebody in the back 40, clap your hands. It's the greatest message of this hour. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit, saith God. And when you are, you're going to say, where has this been all of my life? Man rejects God. God responds by allowing the, the moral fiber of man to drop out of him. 
and lower and lower and lower and lower until the Bible says being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, that means you can't make peace with them, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, on and on and on. Holy Ghost has always tried to work with man. The only difference being it was called the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. It's called the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. And there's absolutely no grammatical distinction between Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. In the New Testament, this reasoning, this, 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 attempting, this attempting to work with people. In our very first example in the book of Genesis, it was on, it was that rejection of working with God that brought about a cataclysmic flood that killed every single human being except for Noah and seven other people. cannot resist the Spirit of God and live forever. John chapter 14, verse number 26, God begins to reveal his intentions for the human race. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus speaking here. Not sent in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost not sent in some religious institution's name or some religious person's name, but in the name of Jesus. He, listen to this. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Look at John chapter 16, verse number 13. Jesus is continuing his discourse when he says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. We must be leadable, and we must be teachable. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. God said, my spirit is not always going to strive with man because they won't listen. They won't turn. They won't, they won't hear me. They won't, they won't change. They won't, they, won't, they won't give me an opportunity to work with them. But the Bible is saying that when the Holy Ghost is poured out, he will lead you into all truth. Now, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I believe that there are millions and millions and millions of people in the world that have received the Holy Spirit or received the Holy Ghost. I believe that. I believe that if a person repents and they seek God and they are wanting the Holy Ghost, that God will give them the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking another tongue. Not everybody believes that. Well, let me remind you that Cornelius, it was a Gentile that represents the entire Gentile world, received the Holy Ghost before he was baptized. For they heard them speak another tongue. And Peter commanded them to be baptized. The reason for that is, is because God is anticipating that you will let him lead you into all truth. And so eventually, the denominational world will end up right here. 
Honey, we need a bigger building than the one across the street, if you believe that. God is not going to leave you in false doctrine. God is not going to leave you in denial. God is not going to leave you in grandma's religion. God is not going to leave you in denominationalism. If you're hungry for the truth, God is leading. God is pulling. God is drawing. God is bringing people out. You may be seated. I don't want to lose this moment right here. Because understanding is here right now. I believe that if God cannot lead a person, that eventually God will leave a person. Because God is not going to authorize. God is not going to put his stamp of approval. God is not going to accentuate something that is not the truth. And so God fills you where he finds you. And then truth begins to pull you. And truth begins to reroute you. You can sit there if you want to. There's people all over the city that God's trying to draw them. And God's trying to bring them. And God's... You've come into a group of people that may have more power than when you've been going to church. I'd make that my new home. You've come in contact with people that have a greater grasp of truth. I'd make that my new church. Clap your hands and give him praise. If we're not leadable and we're not teachable, I believe that eventually, and I don't know where this is, and God won't let any man know this. I'm not talking about his children that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because I'm here to tell you that when you're sealed with the Spirit of God, God is never going to give up on you. You're already bought with the price. I'm talking about people that have received the Holy Ghost and are sitting in denominations all over this world and are saying, I just don't understand the politics of my denomination. They're now allowing this. They're now allowing that. They're now fitting in with the world. They're now capitulating to, to groups, interest groups that are, that are picketing us and are making fun of us, and they're, and they're not standing in that day. And God is waiting for those people to become dissatisfied and take another look. They were not baptized in the titles. They were baptized in the name. They were baptized in the name. Quit putting it off. God has brought you to this church to realize you need to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Your husband, God's How many people here under the sound of my voice we're either introduced to Christianity in another persuasion or we're actually in another denomination. Would you please stand? This is just the beginning of what God's going to do in this world. Somebody shout. You can't build a building. You can't buy a building big enough if you've got this revelation of what God wants to do. The Spirit of God is striving with the human race. He's begging you. He's reasoning with you. He's talking to you. He's trying to compel you. You may be seated, but let's lift our hands all over this building and give God the praise. My spirit will not always argue and strive. Because flesh gets hard, gets set in their ways. I've seen some interesting things over the years. I've seen somebody come into the church and receive this message and immediately bring somebody else to church. And the person they bring, when they see it in the Bible, they devour it. They get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they put the roots down. And now the person that brought them flakes out. God will use you just to start bringing your grandkids. God will use you just to bring your husband. God will bring you to just bring your wife. But you need to set it in stone. You need to say, I ain't leaving this. 
Ain't nobody getting my place. I sit right here. Ain't nobody getting my place. You don't want it? God's got 100 people that do. God's got 1,000 people within 10 miles that want truth. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God's got people all over the Northwest that want reality. Three enemies to reality. Number one is denominationalism. And I'm not, I'm not picking on one in particular. But what happens is the very first thing that people think about when they become apostolic is they start thinking about their praying grandmother and all their family that's sitting in another church that has incomplete or false doctrine. You have to understand, if God is going to save anybody in your extended family, he saved you first to quit playing games and put your roots down and let the rest of your family know, I found it. If you're messing around and so carnal that you can't do that, you've got a whole family waiting on somebody to say, I found it. I found him. The tomb is empty. He's now in my heart. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's not baptism in the titles. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Denominationalism has formed man-made walls to resist the truth. Well, you know, we just don't believe like that. Well, let's, let's see what the Bible says. See, go to John chapter 6, verse number 44. No man can come to truth except the Father which has sent me. Who's the Father? Holy Ghost in Luke chapter 1. There's not three people. It's all the self-same God, above all, through all, and in you all. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God starts drawing you. There is now a magnetic pull towards truth. And when somebody shows you something in the Bible, it's no time for us to say, well, you know, they look different, they sound different, they act different. It's time for you to say, I'm going to get more over here than I ever had over here. In fact, some of the people that are sitting on the sound of my voice, when God brought you to this place, Brother Chris Earl, stand up for a minute. The Holy Ghost spoke to you and said, this is it. This is it. This is it. God is bringing people from all over this place. He's just waiting till we get a bigger building. This is going to empty entire denominations where there is no power. There is no demonstration. There is no regeneration. There is no healing. There is no deliverance. There is no power. There is no truth. But there's three degrees in which we turn off God. It's dangerous to sit in a church like this and resist the Holy Ghost. Do you know what I think God says sometimes? And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. Okay, let me tell you what I'm thinking sometimes. That's probably a lot better. I'm thinking while the preaching's going forth, it doesn't have to be me. It can be any number of anointed preachers that come through this church. And God is preaching to somebody in that congregation. I'm thinking to myself, there's probably 100 people within this city that would respond to that. There's probably a hundred people that would love truth and love to trade places with somebody that doesn't really want it. The first dimension of striving with God, just resist the preaching. Just resist the teaching. 
just, re just resist the ministry. Just resist. Just resist it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to give. I don't want to have to sacrifice. I don't want to have to do anything. I just want to sit here. I just want to enjoy this. I don't want to get in line. I don't want to obey the word of God. I don't want to change at home. I don't want to change on the job. But I love what's going on around here. I can feel it. There's waters to swim in around here. And when you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. That's not for me. That's for somebody else. God sees your life. He sees what you've been doing for the last six, seven days. And he sends a man of God in here to begin to preach in such a way. And all of a sudden, the word of God finds where you're at. And the spirit of God is behind it. And God is like speaking to Cain all over again. If thou doest well, you will be accepted of me. I've got a big hug for you. I've got a promotion for you. I've got a blessing for you. But if thou doest evil, sin is going to take you over. Second dimension of striving with God is to grieve the Holy Ghost. When we do things that are against the word of God and against the character of God's spirit, it grieves him. The Bible said in John chapter 11 that Jesus groaned within himself. When he found out about the death and the burial of Lazarus, he groaned within himself. Grief. God grieves because he sees what we could be if we let him. You know what, some, you know what will fix your problems? This is from the pastor. Get the Holy Ghost and pray through every single day. Well, pastor, I got this going on. And pastor, I got going on. You know what? None of that. None of that compares to this. None of that compares to the joy that I'm going to get if I, if I seek him. None of that. Is, is going to be the benefit because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, this is what we try to teach new converts. When you hide behind your occupation and you hide behind your position in life and God's got to play dodgeball with you he, and God's saying, I'm getting tired. I'm trying to work with you. I, I did this. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to save your grandkids. I'm willing to save this. I'm ready to put a marriage together. I'm ready to heal somebody. God is inexhaustible with what he's trying to do. He's trying to get us on board. One man said it best. He said, we're just too self-sufficient. We just have too much. This is why it's important to have a reference point. And the perfect reference point is zero. That way, Brother Loomis, everything on the other side of zero, you know where it came from. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. If a man think himself to be something, when in reality he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Come on, let's pray right now. God, I'm not going to resist when the Holy Ghost is talking to me. I want to be leadable. I want to be teachable. I want more, God. I want more. I want more. reason why God brought some of you into this church, some of you I've never seen you before in my life, God brought you here for the specific reason of giving you an opportunity to do something with your life, something lasting, something eternal. My spirit will not always strive. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that God goes a long. No man knows where the limits of God's grace are, is. God will keep reaching. God will use circumstances. God will use situations. God will use. 
The third form of striving with God is to quench the spirit. Resist, greed, and quench. It means to put out. It means like, I, I, I just don't need that. I'm doing this. I don't need that. I don't, I'm not going to be a part of what God's doing. I don't need it. Quench the spirit. Act and live in a way that is completely diametrically opposed to the working of the influence of the spirit of God in a person's life. I've heard in times gone past of situations where it was openly prophesied in the church that there would be a death or an elimination. I heard a dear friend of mine, a tremendous man of God that pastors in, on the other side of the United States, told a story. He was in a revival one time that there was a man sitting in that revival and every time he would come to that revival service he had a worldly girlfriend and the worldly girlfriend would just sit there and mock and make faces just do everything she could to just mock the presence of God but that back sudden Pentecostal boy was riveted he knew that God was talking to him and every time he would try to get out of the pew and make his way down to the front and respond to the invitation of the evangelist, his girlfriend would begin to say, no, 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 you don't need this. You don't want that. You don't need this. You don't want And the guy would stay riveted because he had been in church long enough to know that God was sending out a beacon into that congregation. God's sending out a beacon around this globe. He's trying to communicate with people. Finally, the evangelist, and he's not, he's not a fickle, shallow preacher. He got up and he said, there's somebody in this, in this audience here today that if you don't make your move today, this is your last church over here. This is your last church service. God has reached for you and talked to you. and You've recognized it was God, but you wouldn't respond. The man finally made it up to the preacher at the end of that service and said, I got, I got one more drug deal that I need to make. And I'll be back. I promise you I'll be back. See, you don't broker deals with the preacher. You don't broker deals with the pastor. You don't broker deals with the evangelist. When God's calling you and God is pulling you into greater truth. probably could tell the rest of this story, couldn't you? That night, after making promises, I'll be back. I know God's talking to me. Hang on to me, preacher. No, man, don't leave this building. Don't leave. Evangelist implored him, please don't leave. I'm telling you, God's in this. God's working with you. God, God's, God's been reaching you for this entire revival. There's something in you that will not resonate with God. No, preacher, I've got one more deal. They're expecting me. I promise I'll be back. You'll see me tomorrow night. I'll be here early. I'll be here that night. An 18-wheeler veered over into his lane and instantly killed him in a head-on collision. Done that church. The boy was known. He was well known. He was well liked. God was trying to spare a congregation and used one example.
Some people under the sound of my voice, you need to repent. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all. Pastor, I don't know how to break through. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't seem to pray. My brother, you stay there until you break through. You do not let your flesh get the upper hand. You tell yourself, no, I am not listening to you. I'm listening to the word of God. There's some people under the sound of my voice that need to repent because that's what God's been telling you to do. There's people under the sound of my voice who need to be baptized in Jesus' name, quit trying to qualify and excuse yourself. I'm not trying to be ugly, but nobody was ever baptized in the titles in the Word of God. They were only baptized in Jesus' name. I've worked with hundreds of people. What is it with people that say, no, 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 I was baptized just like you people and I've got just what you people have. But when we look at the fine print, they're not apostolic. The early church was baptized in Jesus' name. For the first 400 years, they were only baptized in Jesus' name. The Spirit of God is working on you, wooing you, trying to convince you. It's in the book. It's in the truth. It's truth. There's other people on the sound of my voice. God's trying to get you to be open to receiving the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the other. There's other people under the sound of my voice. God's trying to convince you. You need to walk away from that nonsense. It's junk. You don't need it. How many times have I seen you through everything? God's talking to people. And ladies and gentlemen, God talks just like that to people. When you say something in your heart. He will not say, here I am. He will speak to you responding to your inner talk. But no man is going to come to the truth except the Holy Ghost draw him. So if you receive the Spirit of God in a Catholic church, in a denominational church, in the big box church across the way, in any kind of these big deals, God allowed that. God did that on purpose. But God said, I, I meant to bring you to this. I designed you to come to this. I designed you to come to truth. I designed you to come to reality. I designed you. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. There's some people under the sound of my voice that need to repent. There's some people under the sound of my voice that need to be baptized. There's some people under the sound of my voice that need to come out from the world and get back to where God wants you to be. Let's lift our hands one more time and give God the praise. My spirit will not always strive with man. God, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would sweep across this auditorium and allow people to understand the depth and the breadth and the width of really what this congregation is embracing and the value of it and the glory of it. This altar is open. Come. Come. God's bidding you to come. God's quick to forgive. God's quick to cleanse. God's quick to renew. God's quick to restore. God's quick to empower us. Come on, bring somebody by the hand and let's say, you know what? I feel God tugging on my heart today. I feel the Holy Ghost tugging on my life today. God is quick to restore. God is quick. Come on, take somebody by the hand and bring it to this altar. 
and say, I, I, I need what God's got for me today. I'm not putting it off another week. I'm going to go ahead and take his name in baptism. I'm going to go ahead and take his name for a miracle. 